International. Hi, my name's Andrew Dismukes. Um, I'm on this week's episode of, uh, what's the name of this podcast? Leading the Blind. Leading the Blind. I'm on this week's episode of Leading the Blind with Jared McCorkle and Ariel Norman. Uh, we get into a lot of stuff. We talk very practically. We talk very conceptually. It's a good time. If you like comedy, if you don't, it's going to be very boring and quiet and um, you should move on. But everybody else, uh, you should enjoy because it's actually really good. Have a good one. Do you guys like hearing yourselves talk or do you not now like I hearing yourselves talk? Yeah, you know, I used to not like recordings, but I don't know if it's just recording um, technology has improved mm-hmm. or if my voice has improved, but now I'm fine with my voice. Yeah. Thank God, because otherwise I, listening I still to this don't like looking at myself. Yeah, on stage. I, I don't like. like yeah, I don't like on stage. I don't like listening to recordings of myself. But I do like. Like sometimes I'll talk to myself, and I do like talking to myself. Yeah, talk to yourself in what respect? Yeah, sometimes I'm t- sometimes about about comedy. Sometimes like new bits. Like instead of going to like getting like a rep in, but just to myself. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Of, like an open mic. Oh yeah, I should maybe time. try that. I you like don't that do that. Stuff. I never do that. I feel weird. I don't do it very. It's not very formal. Like I don't. No. I'm not like moving around. <laughs> but like I'll put all the stuff in. It's basically like writing, but just vocally. Yeah, yeah. Is, like is taking a walk, and then like I'll I'll start thinking about a bit, and just kind of yeah, I'll start thinking it through or talking it out loud, and mm-hmm. and every and then just in a very casual way. And then sometimes I just come up with a new phrase or joke or whatever. Eric yeah. Eric Nimmer started doing that really early. Like when we first started doing comedy, I tried to do it, and I, f- I maybe I should try it now. Like I don't maybe I'd feel more yeah, comfortable right. having more stage experience. But at the time, I just felt like a crazy person. So well, what would you do? Would you like write it down word for word in a notebook? No, I would like write the. Co- I've never done that either. I, I would write it down word for word in the notebook, but. Like when I would do it on the stage, I wouldn't like try to memorize anything. Right, right. You just uh, get your thoughts out. Yeah, and it we worked. I don't know if it worked better or whatever, but after four or five months, then I could kind of do that. Yeah. It was awful the first. That few sounds months. more weird to me. Than yeah, like the, that because that's when I've tried to like really write stuff out. Yeah, that's been like a weirder experience for me than like yeah. totally. time because there's been times where I've been like talking to myself through a bit and then somebody will walk in or whatever and I get a little self-conscious of yeah. like oh that was a weird thing but uh, even even the moments of weirdness like that being the most weird thing that can come out of that yeah. approach like anytime I like write I'm writing a bit and I'm like writing a joke on paper I just feel I get very self-conscious yeah. well, I feel the, very like I'm lying to myself the, here's, here's what I think you don't because I've been saying this way I'm not good now but really early on this is like how I conceptualize it because you don't you're not writing a joke you're just brainstorming through the thing, right? So I almost, ne- almost, there's almost nothing I've ever written that it ends up being. There's some even like a version of that, but like writing about it then just kind of gives me ideas, or like a joke will come out of it, like the basic irony, and then I'll take that on stage, 
and yeah. try to work it through. Yeah. yeah. I do do that sometimes. I don't know why I'm pointing writing me. out. Thanks for your yeah. you know, calling on me. Uh, a man has given, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, it was, it was, I was admonishing you yeah. to try to talk. Uh, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I like writing out sometimes, but I, I like talking through the jokes more and it's made me because I used to think of myself as as like a writer kind of person yeah. and now I've right. realized I'm less of a writer than a talker which isn't, isn't to say like there's some people who aren't like that, I think those are kind of two sides of one of like one spectrum, right. one end of the spectrum. There are other people who are way more like visceral, and they're going to get up there and just perform right. and whatever. Um, but I feel like maybe Jared, you're more of a writer, and I'm more of a ta- like. Oh, I disagree. I wish. I wish that really? that was true. I wish I was a better writer. It seems like it's 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 in the. I'm daddy. It, it, it might not be necessarily as ingrained in your process, but definitely in the material, it feels like. Because you have like very good insights, and they seem very like well explored. Sure. So it feels like even no. though it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you're reading a script. It feels like you're talking. Yeah. I still think I walk away from that like, oh, Jared's a good writer. I'm old. Because That's I attribute <laughs> like the brainstorming to the writing process. Yeah. So if I, you I have really that. good ideas and premises. Yeah. And even like comedy mechanics or something like that. Sure. Like if somebody does like an interesting like comedy bit mm-hmm. like like the the rules of that joke or something that is interesting yeah like i attribute all that to the writing process so those are the, like people who i think are doing that really well i'm like those people are good on the writer side of this dichotomy whereas people who like very good riffers very yeah. good like working with the audience play very well in like a character or in like uh, or in a scene of some kind if their jokes really like create a scene and the strength of it comes from that I attribute them more with the performance side of that dichotomy but what I really like about stand up is that there is like the, like kind of a middle node on that which it's is fantastic like, yeah. stand up is just like it's an interesting context and so people there are people who I don't think they're necessarily it's not like oh that's somebody who really knows how to perform or that they really know how to write it really is like it's like a personality thing. It's like a human thing. It's not a performance because it's not disingenuine. It's not a, a, a separate. It's not an alternate thing. Yeah. And it's not really. Though some people do something approaching that, right. But and, and but, everybody does to something like every. I'm not saying that it's not. It's not not created. But the thing that yeah. they're creating is playing on this. Just the context of being in like just just conversation like yeah. stuff like that like some version of like their like Daniel Webb is somebody who like I think you people would say like he's a very good performer but it's 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 not unlike who he actually is and it's not unlike things he would actually say in real life or yeah. the type of jokes he would make in real life and so much of what is great about Daniel set is that people really connect with him and really like buy into him and I feel like that like that deserve somebody who does that really well deserves like their own little their own their own separate place to be other than like performer writer there is this yeah. other person who is like the, the 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 cult figure like somebody who just like somebody who just plays on being magnanimous very well yeah i've like seen i've seen scary versions of that out. yeah yeah it's it, it it it's it is like weird sometimes it I, is like freaky but I was going to circle. It's pretty good. Yeah, sorry, I cut off no, people's no, periods all the it's time. All uh, just to circle back, another thing I was going to say is that I really think the reason I write a lot to come up with ideas is the same. It's like same with argument. Is that like they, I I would do better to talk it out, mm-hmm. but you don't have that opportunity because and nor should you 
because you're that would be really narcissistic to be like, hey, I have a thing I want to work out. Let's right. have I do this. it all the time. Though. Which, yeah, but the problem is, is that it, your people are indulging you. Well, because yeah, because they but could I, easily be like, I don't want to do. I know, your bit but right I develop. Now. So what? What I do is that I have coworkers at Juice Land who. Well, go oh, um, that's not I, a bad. I, I was thinking what comics, I do, but that's not bad. Though. No, yeah, yeah, not with other comics, but I mean, sometimes I do if I have that kind of relationship. But what I do is I figure out which of my coworkers are into it. Some of them are listeners and they love it, and yeah. they and I can tell. You know, there's there's the ones who also who don't share my sensibilities or whatever who I'm going to offend, and then I don't use them <laughs> that way. But the one, there yeah. are people who. Who, who like that and so if you find those people in your life they're great it's great sure. to have a sounding board so that yeah. it's not just you know like you were saying kind of getting a getting a rep in for with yourself but you can you can use friends with that if for they're sure. into it don't abuse no people, I see what you're saying yeah. I, I didn't and think about that I think too you can do one thing I do a lot is like just at like just because like be, like comedy doing comedy it's something that's very much like not just a thing I do it's also like in my personality like it is yeah. like that is who that is what I identify by like as a human is is like doing comedy and making people laugh and so when I am in conversation with people and just in my life so much of what I'm trying to do in any conversation or any like any relationship I have with somebody is very much about like them making me laugh me making them laugh like everybody I'm close with it's about like what jokes do we have together and so a lot of times what I'll do is not necessarily running material on people, but just I'll be hanging out with somebody and I'll be really trying to make them laugh. I know what they like, what makes them laugh. Like it is just about getting this one person to laugh, but then not being turned off to like, what am I saying? Right. Can I like write that down write to like down? That, that's do again later? Right. Because like if that person's that person's sensibility is going to be like at least a representative uh, somebody of, in yeah, the audience's sense like that that person is not the only person who finds right. that stuff funny right. so you will be playing to an audience and that and, and then you go do it on stage and you change stuff to make it more available to everybody right but that's that's a, i think a good place for inspiration is just trying really hard to make your friends laugh and cataloging yeah. what you did even if it's not even a whole joke but just like a certain face i made or something yeah. i can be like oh i can put that face into right. this thing or something so, like that. so we're gonna subject you to some questions okay okay but i i didn't want to mention because i'd like to sort of highlight stuff when it's the first time that it's come up on the podcast because this is episode 17 no 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 it'll be probably like in the early 20s like 24 okay. 25 but nobody has mentioned uh, comedy as like thinking about it like a, as an orientation because mm-hmm. we talk about it as an art as a profession mm-hmm. but there is something really interesting about saying like I, I, I basically am com- I comport to the world as right. com- like that's my perspective yeah. in the world and yeah, it's yeah. not just a matter of like well, a craft that I do or yeah. I love I love you calling it an orientation or I, really or kind of an identity yeah. as well because uh, I mean ever since I, I mean I was always doing that you know and not that I was ever like the class clown but the people who knew me yeah it was always about making them laugh and as now that I do comedy and increasingly my personality is able to be that way so like at work yeah sometimes I actually am like hey guys I'm gonna pra- I'm gonna like run some material right, by you right, but right. a lot of times it's just I'm just trying to make them laugh sure. and and that is like a relationship it's almost like just a compromise I have to have is I have some real friendships but a lot of my relationships with people are as a comedian mm-hmm. and I'm like we're never going to be close so like I'm we're never going to like really be friends but it's okay for me to just be a comedian to these right. people no, yeah totally. and and you also I think you would say like the like biographically the first thing that you were doing 
were these sort of like, as you say, like Aspergersy rants mm-hmm. about. So even before it was monologizing, like, it was this inchoate sort of thing. Even before they were like structured as like, oh, this is a stage persona. You were marshaling your language in an interesting and often ironic way right. for the entertainment of other people right. as oh, a way yeah. to be like, that's who I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, this is a good discussion yeah. that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I, I I think it's in and expanding into another aspect of comedy is I think it's the reason why because like I didn't I. Last night I had a set that I just didn't really feel it like it wasn't it didn't go very well. I connected yeah, people with are like saying that. a I specific heard that. <laughs> word on the street. On Twitter all over. Um it was it was a set that like I'm trying to do I'm I I have to record like six minutes of like brand new material is what I have to do. And it's it's for somebody who's seen like thirty five minutes of my material. Sure. So like all of my material. So it has to be, and now they're like, show me six more. And so it's, I have six more, but it's all very, very new stuff. Sure. And so I'm putting together a set that is all brand new stuff, trying to do a six-minute set. And it's difficult because none of the jokes were, they weren't written to really be a set together. And none of them were really written as good, like, intro bits. And a lot of them are jokes that I'm like, I would only do this joke after three really good, right. like pretty normal jokes. I would do yeah. this kind of weird, difficult thing, and so it's like, but that's my that's the six minutes I have to I have to record. So it's difficult to be like. But is this was this the point of the show? Right, what's the situation where you have six? Minutes? It's it's just it's just for like a, an opportunity kind of thing. Is like sure. I have to like tape six more minutes. And you're saying but the you, show? I was taping seen... it at the show. Uh, the okay. show is going to be where I taped it. Okay. And I'm going to go. I'm going to try again later. And I think I learned a lot from the show that'll help me mo- trying to record again. But I'm trying to record the six new minutes, and the so it didn't go very well, and I felt very bad about it, and I got very like uh, it, I haven't been like when I have a bad set, I get sad. But this yeah. was like a new thing because I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get this thing, and I might not get this like opportunity, and like so it it has like a lot of ramifications yeah. sure. for me, and uh, part of the reason why I think. I get so upset about stand-up and how it goes is that it is like an orientation. It's not just a thing that I do. When somebody denies my stand-up, it, 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 like, they don't mean it this way, but yeah. it is like a denial of my entire essence. Right. This yeah. is our identity. Is like, yeah. This is what our uh, self-idea like, right. what's my- like, it rests on is, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, for a long time I, I valued like being smart or whatever, and I realized, like, oh, no, I just value being funny and right. interesting. Absolutely. But if someone doesn't think you're funny and interesting, when that is your entire right. identity... Uh, Mike Birbiglia has a, a bit where he basically says, you know, when you're an actor, you, you, people say, oh, I didn't really like the script or whatever. Yeah. But if it, it, it at stand-up, it's like they're saying, like, oh, I didn't like you. Yeah. But, yeah. You suck. Your yeah, thoughts. Just your personality. Your brain, the way you see things is yeah. bad. And it's the best, he doesn't say this, but it's also, in so far as you're able, the best version of yeah. yourself. Yeah. So yeah, this yeah, is yeah. like, I've made I've distilled myself me. down into <laughs> yeah. my right. best. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Andrew, are you are you still twenty one? Yeah, I'm twenty one. And how long have you been doing comedy? I've been doing comedy for four years. About coming up soon, it'll be four years. Coming up soon, four years. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better because I knew that it uh, hadn't been like terribly long, but mm. but that it's coming up. It's happen. it's I, I'm I'm transitioning into the sophomoric period say, yeah. of uh, I think one <laughs> one in two years is like. Still pretty new. And so, then somebody said, three and four, it starts to get 
a little hairier a little <laughs> somebody mentioned about you i think it was john raven or somebody like that they were like no i've actually saw bad dismukes yeah because the legend is like andrew's just been good well, yeah, yeah. he was like yeah it first was time i saw him yeah no but it was exactly like that it was like it, this it, mm. it's the lovely idea of i'm gonna say the same sentence and but a different way it means the opposite he was like first he saw you and he was like who's this fucking guy right and then the next time he saw you, he was like who's this fucking guy <laughs> and he was talking about how quick that was yeah. we can talk about it like that but later but so. well that, okay so that's interesting and did you did you start like in college is that yeah i started in my freshman year of college was there some kind of class or was someone else doing it no uh, andrew clarkston oh. austin comedian and uh, friend of the show friend, friend of, the, of podcast. the show just a little boy made out of potato salad <laughs> he, uh, he, we both we both majored in radio television and film at right. the university of texas and uh, we both wanted to be like comedy tv writers was what we were going for and he we we were like not very close friends yet but he just we we, we like connected on that and talked about that and um he we just sort of you know through research and stuff figured out that like a lot of people who write for like snl or sitcoms or all these things we wanted to do did stand up and so he started a little bit before me he started a couple months before me in houston and then when we with the the next semester started and he came back to austin and was like hey man i did stand up a couple times we should do stand up and so we started doing stand up together gotcha so and so this is about this is in 2013 sometime right? yes this would be yeah yeah this was late 2013 beginning the the transition period it was like winter break into so it was like 2013 and then beginning of 2014 was when it really started yeah so the scene at the time had been growing a lot i know since about 2012 but i don't think it had quite reached the apex of kind of like i, well, I know when i moved here early 2015 it had sort of reached this point of like whoa we have lots of mics and shows and it just keeps growing mm -hmm. but in 2013 it was still like fairly easy to get in and get stage time right yeah it was it was it was definitely not to the point that it is today but what was cool about it was there was a there was a much more i think solid like underbelly than there is now which is good the problem is now is everybody's too good mm -hmm. that we've lost kind of our bottom really both yeah. in terms of oh it's still there let me tell you it's definitely <laughs> adjusted like now what it is is it's just there are comics who i'm like that's a bad comedian like there yeah. are comics who i'm like you should not be a comedian there aren't any comics that i'm like you're bad right now but you're, I'm with gonna, you, yeah, you're, yeah. you're 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 just starting so you're bad right now everybody who starts lately has been like very good very quickly because there's so many people around to like mentor and and so many shows that they can get on to like improve and stuff yeah that there isn't as much of like like john rabin when he saw me back then there's not those people who are like bad 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 but you're like but you're gonna get it yeah, yeah. you're gonna get better there's so many more like just starting out that i'm like immediately yeah you're good i mean yeah. i think you know that i think it's an ecclesiastes or something like the iron sharpens iron idea sure. like being around people that are talented and driven yeah and their art inspires you that I, I think insofar as you're gonna work hard to that yeah. it's like it's not osmosis but you're just hard to not yeah, get it's better. hard not to affect right. the, yeah. the, at least the sensibility of somebody well. who's a better comedian 
and open mic comics in in town uh, have a lot of good comedians to watch and learn from and the quality of stuff that they're seeing uh, continues to improve and I think what I I think that I've noticed and I don't know if I'm making this up um, is that the stage presence of new comics a lot of them seems to be a lot better than Mm -hmm. like what what I've seen in most cities open mics with starting comedians because I think that they're seeing um, the the older comics uh, with their stage presence and they're seeing them not being so rote yeah. uh, and then people are getting up there and even when they're not really funny yet they still have the stage presence it's like I don't even know how, how they have the balls to get right, up there and, right. and be that confident and free on stage but I think that they'll get better faster um, letting themselves Definitely. You know, be that way Definitely. I want to open it up to both of you because I've been thinking about how the clubs are this in some sense like nucleus of Austin comedy but in so many other ways most of the de- development most of the environment has, is really away from the clubs happening right. irrespective of the, of the clubs and stuff like that and I would say most of people's most people's comedy is developing n- not according to it and I'm curious what you guys think in terms of is that a positive well, first of all do you think I'm right I could be wrong about that I, but do you think what do you think the effect of that is I mean I think if anything I think I it's definitely a positive like people would oh, people would people would after I started like doing shows at Cap City sometimes people like like Danny Goodwin has hosted a couple times now mm-hmm. and when he got his first one he was asking me like how do I do like a set for like like should I not cuss like yeah. everything like that which like I know that's that's what is like a known people know, it's in the like zeitgeist for comedians of like clubs want you to be clean yeah absolutely they don't want you to do crowd work like all that and it's that that's not untrue it's just like you shouldn't work you should only work to like your thing and if they buy into it and they say they like you yeah like just do your thing again because they bought into it and said they like you yeah if they explicitly tell you like don't do crowd work don't do crowd work if they say no curse words don't do curse words yeah those but are if a little just easier to on f- impressions yeah. be, be funny do your best set possible yeah is the only thing you should if you want to like if you want to work to the clubs work on just being really funny all the time and don't worry about the other stuff you can always fix that like if they say no cursing you can drop curse words yeah. easily but if you build to be clean then you don't have you don't have any room to like that's a really good point it. yeah so i think and i'm very I, much in a place where i've i'm having to make those sorts of decisions right like, and then a whole yeah. other thing is like experimental or not experiment like as opposed to like curse words not curse words it's like there's also people who are like should i be developing really weird stuff or should i be developing yeah should i be developing more like consumable yeah middle america stuff and again it's like the it's not wrong to say that clubs are gonna want solid more like solid tangible stuff consistent stuff trying to sell chicken wings exactly it is a business um and I think they're very talented comedians who haven't gotten really to work at, at Cap, at least. That it, it, I think it's because, like, yeah, they don't. These are comedians who their strength really comes from a pretty, like, alternative thing that they do that the clubs just aren't going to be as interested in. But, again, you should develop to what is, like, funniest. I'm not right. saying you should be so avant-garde or you, should be, or you shouldn't care at all about what the audience thinks, nor the opposite of that being so like you know locked into pleasing people that you don't make any decisions really for yourself yeah but that 
as long as what you're doing is good and effective, then that's going to be cap. If cap sees something really experimental that works every time, then by by like fact, that's like a mainstream thing. Even if yeah. it's very experimental, everybody likes it, so it's, yeah. it is mainstream. It is consumable. Yeah, like you can't be. Ma- yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, th- I do think that little room, if you're wor- if you're mostly at cap si- or at the doing the open mic there, if that they can probably see. Well, okay, this is working right for these 40 people in this intimate environment yeah. uh, with no headline in expected the headline expected to go on for sure uh, where so there's like nothing for them to vex here but maybe you know, I could see a little bit of a difference but yeah, yeah but they can't be like no, it's not funny for sure for sure they definitely it doesn't have an audience again they're definitely going to want and they're going to know they're going to know what will and won't work they're professionals they've done it for a long time they'll be able to like say that person's funny they're clearly getting a lot of laughs here but i don't think that'll work but i think i i think everybody should just work to like working like work to what how does this bit work like whatever you do any any idea that you have if it doesn't work i think you get rid of it yeah I, i i don't like anything that is too about is so about pleasing people that it's like nothing it's like what are you even what are you even doing if you're just making that kind of joke right. yeah and i also hate anytime i see somebody who is like so caught up in doing something they this they have an idea for the bit and it's never working and they right. don't they don't they don't have any drive to like i'm not saying drop that and go all the way to like so- hack but work on that make that thing work like yeah. change that thing so that way it works yeah you're so not an let, artist let's, let's put a pin in this and the reason I say that, you can ask Ariel this is a, almost exactly what I wanted you to talk about mm. like but uh, but let's let's say that for true. a little bit I do want to get a little oh, okay. bit more um, uh, biographical stuff. It's our podcast. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's great. It's awesome that we started getting into it immediately. That, that's a good sign. But yeah, yeah let's get some um, so business stuff. You won second place in the Funniest Person in Austin contest last year mm-hmm. in 2016. Can you talk a little bit about um, like what opportunities, if any, came directly from that? Directly from that? Um, I think... Not 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 immediately, but definitely from that, like starting to feature at camp, moving from hosting to featuring, um, just because I think it. After that set, I think they just had the impression that I was ready to do like a longer thing because now I had because one thing I did was I did a totally I only did material that I wrote in that year. I didn't I didn't want to do anything since the last contest. And so, like, that then became, between those two sets, that was, like, 16 minutes that Cap had seen of me in the big room to, like, a packed house, 16 minutes that worked really well. So they knew at least, like, he's got this 16 that he can bring to a feature set. He just needs, like, five or eight more minutes to have, like, a feature-length set. So I think it just gave like it just bumped me up to that middle level for cap, not you know, not anywhere else. Sure, sure, sure. Um, bumped. I think that's that's one thing that came directly from it. And then one of the judges gave me their card, mm-hmm. and they were like a manager in LA, and yeah. I've talked with him and met with him and and he's given me a couple opportunities and so that's something that 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 came from it though it's nothing's really 
come out of it, but just it was like a, an avenue. That I, I've up. been told in LA that, or not about it, not there, obviously, uh, that it, there's some things that you, you need representation to even. It's, it's so much, it's crazy how much better it gets when you do, or when you have like one credit, like one national credit or whatever. Yeah. Like as soon as, like since Danny has. Danny Palumbo has just for laughs. Yeah, like it's not like you know you go you go do just for laughs and then you're set. You're a professional comedian now. Yeah, but anytime you apply for a show now, you say I was on just for laughs. Right. New faces. That's like an undeniable thing. Whereas like for me, my biggest credit being funniest person in Austin, second place. It just feel and then all my festival credits are Austin festivals. Right. It's like it's just a little claustrophobic. It seems like oh, this is somebody who is good in his local scene. Sure. But whereas is he ready now for that? Whereas if you have some sort of national thing like Maggie has Conan that you yeah. can put. It, so if, it's like so, that stuff doesn't signify the the Austin stuff as great yeah. as it might be. It doesn't signify to anybody outside of Austin. It's right. like that could they could be amazingly ready for a national thing, right? But it. I don't but that's know. one thing that I've. That's one weakness of being at a like Chicago, Austin, Portland, like one of these middle comedy meccas, like mm-hmm. not some rando town, but de- not L.A. or New York, like the tier under that. Um, which I think we are. I think we're one of those scenes for sure. One of the most respected in the country. Yeah. Um, but the problem is then you hear that all Portland? these, yeah, watch out. <laughs> all these really respected credits, like Moon Tower would be a respected credit. South by Southwest is a respected credit. They all get a little less significant because it's the town I'm I'm from. Right. Yeah. It's not like like if somebody from Portland had the same Austin right. credits, it would be significant because it was like, oh, they're not even in that. And they yeah. Had, so that is a type of like national credit because it's expand something like that. So I think it's like with international law. Like once you move from South Carolina to Georgia, it's like that's a federal thing now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like you've you've been involved nationally, even if it is not for a like quote national thing. Yeah. But so so all that to just say like if you have like one thing to like hook you in when you get to LA or New York, then it's a lot easier to get on shows and stuff. When you really don't what you need is to like get one and that's where really like management and stuff can help you is that like they may be one they can like they have that that is a certain national thing like if you have a manager or an agent or something mm-hmm. working for you that's a type of like i guess national kind of credit you could you, yeah. you could call it like saying you know my manager like if you have an, a manager in la or something like that it just has a legitimacy yeah. that feels it's, it's like not a, as like confined it's as, a, as everything else it's like when it's like guys it's women too but like uh, when if they're married the idea mm-hmm. is like well somebody might they can't be that crazy because somebody somebody co-signed them exactly and in a similar way it seems like management that way. Um, <laughs> yeah so that's so that's one thing that's good about that is that just being a being having that people just right it's it a very reactionary cool. like system where it's like they may have never seen you or right. you might you could send one tape without that kind of credit and one tape with that kind of credit right and that kind of thing really does carry a lot of weight because it's just you're asking people to like buy into something that they haven't really seen for themselves right. so you need it's, not, it's like someone else has vouched for you yeah, yeah you need other voices saying that you're good other than yourself now I want to talk about LA can um, I mention something real quick before sure. I was just gonna say it's also I think it's this is gonna sound bitter but uh, it's not even bitter it's just I think maybe a little cynical that 
people don't the people are highly influenced by the opinions of other right, people. It would sure. be lovely to think that we watch a thing and say, I've decided that's good based right. on my sensibility. No, but if you, have everyone a, else, if you have yeah. a bunch of people laughing at it, yeah. you're like, ah, ha, ha, yeah, this, I do like And I think right, there's right. a kind of version of that where, you know, a, a, even a savvy agent or a savvy booker, you know, that you know, oh, I'm judging if they see that stamp. It's like, right. oh, this, yeah, 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 yeah I, I like this. And, yeah. and kind of on that, it's one, th- it's, it's one of the strengths of stand-up as opposed to, like, acting is that people can see that. So, like, even if you aren't, like, because it's crazy sometimes people get management or agents without, like, a really big thing. They get it, like, yeah. f- and you'd think, oh, I didn't, I would, I would expect you, ne- you needed a lot longer till you got that. But it's because, like, if if the right person does walk in and sees you do, like, one really good set and, like, they watched it and it was, like, something that they experienced, too, that's now undeniable for them. So yeah. if they don't need these co- – they, like, they don't need you to have other credits yet. They saw you, like yeah. – they were enraptured in you as much as an audience where they know for a fact, like, this person's got it because I felt it yeah. in that moment. So that's one of the one of the – ways in which the the comedy industry sort of uh, regulates how maybe difficult it is to like get a credit like there is like if the right person sees you at any show right like it doesn't matter they, so much something can come from that because they can't deny that yeah. you affected them the person could just win FPIA out of nowhere <laughs> exactly nobody exactly. thought it was supposed to happen and exactly. it fucking did because those judges, <laughs> it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how long Enzo's been doing it it doesn't matter right. You know the if he has if he's recognized as one of the best in the scene by like the club or anything like that yet um, it doesn't matter they want like if you watch comedy and it affects you and you like it they, they, none of that matters yeah. they'll 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 pick you because the, that that's the truest right. more yeah. so than anybody saying you're funny the shout out to Enzo Priest this uh, yeah. 2017 funniest person yeah, in congratulations. Yeah, he, it's fucking great he, we'll probably have him on the podcast soon yeah. we're um, planning a crossover now when did you do south by i did south by this past uh spring the 2017 one yeah i did the 2017 one and how did that come about that came about very south by southwest is so informal mm-hmm. that there's 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 a whole lot le- there's like a varying level there's like unofficial south right. by showcases which are which are pretty easy to get on sometimes local shows will do like unofficial south by southwest stuff then there is south by southwest comedy right which is its own sort of like thing very difficult i i like that is you have to be they don't they maybe do like like cubis will do shows there maggie may probably has done stuff with them i'm sure Lashonda did at some point do something with them but they are very they, they, they. Even their openers. They're Is not it like really top of the top of the top, or just right place, right time? It's gonna be, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be from a national crop. Like the reason why Cubis, Maggie, Lashonda would get would get that stuff is that like they're not just seen they're seen as the best in austin yeah but also they're seen as national national contenders contenders. yeah so it's like they're in austin they're national content they're national players like i should just do that you should just become i should just (laughs) yeah work on that (laughs) and so that's trying to get on moon tower but you think about it like that's better i'll do that you'll just become the the national (laughs) representative of what happens (laughs) but it so that's so that's more 
Wait, so did you that, do one of the South I, What by I com? did was it was an official South by thing. It was through the it was through the interactive portion of South oh, by. Okay. Because the other dimension to South by is that there's also just South by shows that are just a part of like South by broadly. Yeah. Not just South by comedy. And some of those shows have comedy, which is what I did. I and Moon Tower kind of works that way too, where it has these variegated kind yeah. of shows that are happening. Yeah, around. they're they're different tiers yeah. to Moon Tower to where there yeah and then also with south by there's like bit shows that really a lot of time like nick saverino and luke mcclory i think luke mcclory not this past south by but the one before did like a bit show where he got like electrocuted or something like <laughs> but he got to do a set and he got a badge and stuff so that's that's, that's fucking awesome that is kind of another dimension into you know getting the he can put that on a resume now he can sure. say he did south by yeah even though it was him getting <laughs> electrocuted on stage but Hell yeah he did a no set. need to be specific hey, had a badge yeah. so how did you get the interactive uh, a person the the guy organizing it emailed me the, the guy organizing that show in particular so it was someone you didn't know he just he yeah just, he just was aware of you yeah i was aware of I, I think he saw me at fbi gotcha there's a you know it's funny about somebody's careers like yours where your rise has been relatively meteoric uh where it's like people can say it was right time or right place at right time or something like that but nobody can you haven't been doing it long enough for it to be cronyistic mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah. there's a certain sure. element where there's people you know I hate to say it, but like people who time in, there's the idea, that, oh, they really earned it. And of course they did. Mm-hmm. But also some of what they're getting is just the benefit of having done it for right, so long. Right. They've made connections, not pure. I mean, a great example is, again, I'm going to shut up about the contest, but like the contest isn't as subject to who, who's, they, well, it's their turn. Their yeah, super, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's more about, hey, any, who had the set how good night? were you that night? Yeah. And in some sense, you're what you're, I think you're in a broader sense, a version of that, if that makes sense. I think Maybe I, it doesn't because you're looking at me like I'm weird. I think I lost. Uh, yeah, I, uh, of, of, uh, I, I understand what, I, I, yeah. I, I get you. I think, I think that's definitely true. I think, if for the, yeah, as many people that, you know, just, wind up having it's not about making a choice it's not about saying like I'm gonna go I'm gonna get going really quick yeah or I'm gonna get going really slow but just there are people who benefit from taking like like things happening a little longer for them across a longer thing then there are people who it's like like there are definitely comedians who I think I look at and I'm like I think you should move sooner rather mm-hmm. than later like I think you should take you're you're ready to take the step not necessarily because you are like better than somebody who I think needs to keep staying in Austin. Sure. But just that your affectation, your sensibility means that there's this whole other opportunity for you of like, 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 like with younger comedians who I think are really good, but are in like their early twenties. Yeah. I'm like, maybe move sooner rather than later because that youthfulness is advantageous. Yeah. Yeah. And while you might benefit comedically from taking your time and really like working through you a part of what is unique and valuable and what makes you you know this might sound a little cynical but like a commodity in the industry is that like you appeal to a younger demographic or your joke your comedy is so good because of how young it is or something like that. yeah there's still light in your eyes yeah and that, yeah. that, that those kind of things and i think that i'm somebody who like a big part of I think what makes my stand-up successful is my age. And as I get older, I hope to develop out of that. Yeah. But for the time being, I am like, 
but I want to capital like while I have youth and energy yeah i want to be able to capitalize on on that you know it makes a lot of sense for yeah. sure Absolutely. so and then uh, i know you moved to la and you were finishing up your last semester of school there but you also surely were excited for the comedic opportunities mm-hmm. and everything and you said you've talked to a manager um so are you but you haven't officially signed with him but just no i i i haven't i've met with a couple people and it's and it's I, I this is weird. It's weird to like just go down and talk about like podcasts on podcasts on podcasts. But I was listening <laughs> to Pete Turtles Holmes' all the way podcast down here. a long time ago. Listening to Pete Holmes' podcast, and he talked about like when you and this is one of the things that is so valuable about podcasts is he mentioned when you first get out to LA or New York or wherever, and you start to get like a little bit of recognition from something or, or anything or whatever. Um, you'll take like a lot of meetings that aren't even that aren't about anything specifically or about it's about people connecting with you it's about you connecting with people it's sort of a like down the road when you're ready when you're ready we still think you should be like it's it's them saying like we still think you need to be like a waiter for a little while yeah. Yeah. you need to work in a coffee shop but they're like we like, want to be in the andrew dismukes business right. they want to they Get want the to like floor. they want to be able to when the time comes be able to say hey we we know each other you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. that Smart. kind of thing um so i've met with a couple people I got the impression that it was that those kinds of meetings just only because I had heard on the you know Pete Holmes talk about it on his podcast. Yeah. But that's one of the things that's great about podcasts is that like by hearing that I was able to recognize it and it was valuable to be able to be like okay so things aren't I'm not like nothing is actually coming out of these but Pete Holmes said that this is Pete Holmes went through this yeah. and ultimately he got to where he is yeah so it's like able to thing. be like so this is like this is on the trajectory yeah even though this is nothing yet it at least says that like I've entered another room yes. you know or whatever people the, are the investing art. in you really you and, know, and they're trying to get yeah. it on the ground floor yeah and there's an, a kind of a, I would call it like um, an investment to doing something like that where even if it doesn't immediately reward speaking of podcasts Ari Shafir was talking about like how you'll have an agent and you're supposed to give them you know a certain amount of percentage mm-hmm. like if you get your own stuff give them the yeah, percentage anyway because you, the bill just they'll work harder for you yeah. if if you have that kind of relationship or whatever from from what i've been talking to other comics in la and then another thing that was cool about the, being in la was like my classes at school really synergized well with comedy because these classes were kind of about the entertainment business as a business mm-hmm. is what this most oh, of my okay. classes this semester were about and those the, the I never realized how much the the like stand up industry is is also the just broadly entertainment and mm-hmm. like I thought it was going to be its own kind of thing yeah but it's not as much like most of the people who represent comedians also represent strictly actors sure most of the people who manage comedians also maybe are like producers on certain shows or like associate pro- like everybody's got. The, the entertainment industry is built in a way that everybody's kind of got their fingers in a bunch of different yeah. things. So when you look at somebody's, like, when, when I was meeting with, uh, with somebody, I would, like, look them up to see what they were, like, just so I know what we're going to be talking about. Are they, like, a manager? Are they an agent? Do they run, like, a show or something like that? Are they, like, a producer? Whenever I would meet with them, I would look that up. And oftentimes, I couldn't really tell because it was, like... 
for managers, they were producers on so many of their clients' things. Like a lot of times, managers will be listed as producers on like one than one of their clients' specials or yeah. one of their clients' TV shows or something like that. They can get that. So all these like all these networks really converge. So having that class that was teaching me about like movies and TV but it was very easily traceable to like being able to have some knowledge and understanding of the entertainment industry that's um, interesting. So as have, it exists for stand-ups as, as, as well. You have all these, it's, a, you know, it's capitalism, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just all these different like art forms and they're all dovetailing into one yeah. thing, monetizable Because stand-up doesn't make money on its own. So stand-up becomes about talent. It becomes yeah. about acting or writing. It becomes about managing... It, it becomes about managing employees. It becomes about managing somebody that you can put in a room or that you can put acting on a show. Yeah. Or you can put, um, you know, hosting something or whatever. Or you can put on like an at midnight thing, like, or or on a talk show or something yeah. like that. Like putting a putting a comedy voice on these shows um, is really what it then really more becomes about. It becomes about getting people getting comedy central people to do half hours yeah like it is it is when you really look at it i think from the comedian's perspective it's so much about like i want to get a half hour like i want to get an album or something like that but the industry really works the opposite way where it's like comedy central is like get me 10 people to do a half hour yeah because we're gonna make a shit ton of money off of like you know we'll pay this comedian fifteen hundred dollars and they'll this, love it to, yeah and, <laughs> and it'll be incredible for them it'll yeah. be the best thing in their career yet and we'll we'll have you know nine hours of programming across all the comedians half hours that we do and we got to spend so little money yeah putting it out like it really and the same with like conan and things like that it is like we we have a block of time that we need to fill so get us a comedian we'll do that so 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 the industry really works the opposite way that we tend to think about it it's about it's about the people up top it's about getting it's about getting the ceos their their paycheck (laughs) and it trickles all the way down to managers who are really at managers and agents who are really actively looking for new voices new people to represent because the incentive is 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 so high because the incentive is not just this artistic endeavor yeah the incentive is comedy is cheap people like comedy let's run an industry based on comedy because we can make a shit ton of money all the way up yeah so it's it's a lot more accessible than people think because it really like if they have nothing if they don't bet on anybody if they never sign anybody if they never put anybody on a show if they never bring in anybody they don't make any money they don't make any yeah they want us all to have half hour specials (laughs) they want everybody to they want everybody to do it but kids keep you know figuring out how to do this with all your spare time for us eventually you'll make us a lot of money it's not productive to bitch about it uh, in terms of an ethos but I will say it is a weird thing that it's driven that way Mm-hmm. And I thought about this at school where I was like, you know, so much of this, it's like, what, what's a university? Well, it's a bunch of professors and it's a bunch of students. Mm-hmm. And those are the two groups that least direct how universities function. Yeah. The vast majority, it's, it's uh, what do you call it? Um, what are they called? Administration. Uh, no, but in a private school, oh. it's the, the tr- trustees. Trustees. Oh. Yeah, who, who kind of decide stuff. And what are they? They're impresarios right. of like... Uh, grocery stores right. and shit like they have nothing they could, right. they wouldn't know yeah. But yeah, yeah and right. that's the ultimate thing is like the 
who who becomes the comedians of our generation is determined by dudes in suits up at the top who are going to make money off of them. It's not about... I can't wait to blow those guys. I cannot <laughs> wait. It's not about who is like the best. It is like course, the yeah. people who will be recognized as the best are people who just get chosen by these impresarios but, or whatever they but it's, do. But it's like what... Choose to... Okay, sorry. No, no, no. You go, you go. Well, it's like what counts as the comedians of our generation because those the people that they select seems clear to me. It's people like, and I don't mean... I, no way do I think this is a bad comic, but Amy Schumer, right? It's people like that. Right. Or Kevin Hart. But then there's this within the world of what has... It's some, and somehow lucrative in a way. There are these comics that comics love and fans right. of comic love. And, and, and there's an industry there in that that definitely people do. That's where you want... Do engage. God, you want to be there. Yeah, <laughs> and that's definitely the goal. But what's interesting, I think, is when you look at if you look at who are people who are those comedians citing as their influences yeah. one generation back, it's the big fucking yeah, comics. yeah, it's Chris it's, Rock, it's Chris Rock, it's it's the people, it's it's the Amy Schumer's of then, yeah, who are influencing the comic comics of now, yeah, and so moving forward, like Louis C.K. has had a big influence yeah. on everybody who is a comics comic now you know what i mean or theoretically but, but or something some, like that. Yeah. ck was influenced by carlin who was definitely niche in a sense he was definitely like an alternative type of comedian but with a lot of commercial success yeah very famous bill hicks very famous but wow why did he get the, such a weird <laughs> such a weird like radical dude to get so much recognition yeah um so it's interesting. Sometimes it works out. A lot of times it doesn't. But I think the only people who stick around are the ones who work out. Like, there will be flames of, like, we're trying this guy. Is this guy what you like? Like, they'll throw a comedian to we're the We're trying hounds. this Asian pregnant lady. Oh. You'll love. <laughs> it's actually really good. But yeah, yeah. But, but that that type of thing yeah. where they're like, this is, we're going to bring a comics comic into the broader arena and push him out and see if you guys like him. Yeah. And if that comedian is... I think it does come down to like how good of a comedian are you because even if you are a really good comics comic if you're a really good comedian I think you can then channel that into a broader thing I think you can I think a comedian is somebody who makes it work a comedian being a comic is about making a set work it's about overcoming whatever the limitations of a set are and the better you do that I think the better of a comedian you are and but but with the caveat of definitely trying to maintain the integrity like if you can maintain the integrity of your material while doing that you're even better well, what you said earlier if they're laughing yeah. if a, a large enough crowd it, that suggests there is at least a potency for yeah. widespread appeal and you should uh, exactly and and another thing too is is kind of going on the inverse route you you as a good comedian is somebody who can ultimately get to what they want to get to with yeah. an audience i think like if you know that an audience is going to be too broad or too middle america or whatever for your weird like fraggle rock bit like the good comedian is the person who knows how to play to how do we get to that bit that i want to do how do i get this crowd on where do i how do I get them on my back? And we start towards this thing I want to get to. That's, That's in my mind, the good comedian. 
somebody who just writes really good jokes and really experimental stuff i think that is a talent of its own for sure being able to really write really good experimental material and perform it and have it succeed with some crowd that's definitely impressive but i'm very impressed by people who do a very they 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 know how to work the crowd they play the crowd so well like they they know how to get them not only where they're at but take them somewhere yeah is is i think the most valuable thing that you can do as a comedian no yeah i think that's what we're all you know working toward um now to go back to well jared you will one day yeah. <laughs> 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 I, uh, I just want to be able to be on the show to get you know <laughs> uh so it, uh, how's the comedy been going in la I, how often do you do mics and shows there mics this semester was so the way this my semester was laid out this semester it was i had an internship during the day and then so all my classes were at night so it was very difficult to do as many mics as i wanted to be doing i would do maybe like on a good week i could maybe get four most weeks i was only going to be able to get two in a in a week and that was choosing like the between distance between mics trying to be like where do i live close enough to that i can make it in time after class or if i don't have class after my internship and then also looking at where do where am i getting the what mics am i getting the most worth out of yeah and not wasting a day on one that's not going to be as good um just because it's it's maybe closer or or the time works out more for me so it was a lot of compromise because I didn't want to have like a setting where I was only doing like the you know waiting till after class was over and every night going do this like one at through this terrible mic at three a.m. in a donut shop. I didn't yeah. want comedy to become that for me. Yeah. So you I like chose do, to like kind of like I hate donuts. I see it. I chose to kind of like well we'll I'm gonna write a lot was what I said. I'm gonna write a lot of material to compensate for my decision to drop off mics a little bit and i'm gonna work a lot on my career this i'm gonna focus on did you kind of my career and stuff yeah i think i I think that's ultimately what i and it was just redirecting that energy because i i wanted to be doing just a bunch of sets so i was like very stir crazy all the time just because i couldn't so i was like where's an effective way that i can devote this energy and that was like looking at my stand-up as a career from a career perspective and working on it there and then looking at my stand-up from like a materials like where can i work on material and theoretical like comedy theory stuff like i spent a lot of time thinking about that just so that way i was staying engaged with comedy as much as possible what i'm seeing as by the way just there's a lot of open mic comics that listen to this and i think it's an interesting question about how often you should go up and stuff like that Mm. and i used to think you should go up as much as you can completely and i do think that's important yeah and err on the side of going up more than less but the trend i'm seeing in people who are good is way more about consistency than it is about time mm-hmm. so they're like Ariel I think on average maybe four times a week yeah four or five usually I think if you're doing that but Nights. you're doing it every week right and you're putting uh, you have a methodology and you're uh, you're I think a lot of times if you can space it out like that right you you even care more about each set you're totally. more experimental you're more scientific about it whereas there are a bunch of uh, open mic comics that go up at every open mic mm. but then and what are you like what are you learning from this yeah set what are you working on are yeah. you doing yeah. like it kills me 
the amount of comedians who I'm like even at like at an open mic they're they're trying to do like good they're like can I what what are my best jokes yeah do my best jokes and they really, it's embarrassing. They really, it's, Let's tell them now. It's embarrassing when be, when yeah. better comics watch you, yeah. and you're doing your best material at an open mic where you should be learning something. You're yeah. embarrassing yourself. So, Stop doing. So that. you're doing something different with it. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't yeah. even care if you're going to do the same material, but like be working on it. Right. Be but, developing. Like because yeah. Andrew Clarkston is somebody who, I don't think he writes a a, a a slew of new material very often, but he's really about working like. New ta- seven new tags. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he wants to build this like very long, very complicated with a lot of like emotional turns in it. Right. This very like nuanced long bit. So he'll work on it. But when you see him and he's doing the same joke over and over again, you'll realize like either he's got a new tag he's doing on yeah. it, or he's doing a slightly different character. Yeah, I, you, with it you, or like I quickly learned to trust him. Like when I would see him at mics or shows, even if he started doing a new bit, you quickly realize after seeing him a few times, like. Oh, I've seen that bit before, but I'm just waiting for that new tag. I'm waiting yeah, yeah. for this energy Absolutely. burst that he's going to have where I'm right. going to be laughing and he's going to go somewhere new and great. And so that's, yeah, that's completely, as long as you're working on something, but it's like incidentally, something to work on. That guy's also really good at a kind of acting where mm-hmm. Andrew is good at doing an older bit, but doing it as if some of the content of it just occurred to him. Yeah. Right. And yeah, so I think it's, in some sense, Andrew Clarkson is not like a good model for a lot of people. He's, a, he's too, like <laughs> if you're, if you're looking for a comedy model as like, if you're like an open mic or just starting out looking for like, who do I, whose regimen and like approach I need to be implementing. It should be somebody you should look for somebody who is not too caught up in their own voice, maybe yet, sure. maybe maybe at all. Yeah, like a comedian who is more about, who isn't about a part- their particular perspective or their particular mechanic or whatever it is. Like Andrew Clarkston is very much a singular voice. Sure. So don't you can't look to him too much as as an example for what you should be doing ask him and he'll tell you what you need to know now because he's an intelligent guy who knows how comedy works yeah. and is doing his voice now because in the past he worked on his like fundamentals and stuff yeah. to where he was able to discover that and do that effectively so if you ask him he'll tell you like you should be doing yeah. this 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 that's pretty like just about reps and th- and fundamentals and things like that even though his his form now his his approach his process now is going to be very convoluted and different than that that's what you should be doing right now and you should form your own process from that start with like this basic process see what works for you yeah. keep an active mind of what are what is the audience responding to and what in what is my material what approaches is my material responding to and keep an open mind and eventually you'll build a process and as you build a process you'll build a voice and you'll build like yeah. a perspective but it's got to it's got to start from reps and all that because you just you don't have any data. You got to right. get data. Can, you got to get information. It's a ton of data. Yeah, it's I, I, I can already data. hear our listeners being confused by this because uh, there's a sort of dilemma here, and let's I think we should address it and be concrete about it, uh, especially for people listening to this to get a little advice. This is you're an open mind comic, and you're like, look, I got to learn how to get better. I've got to experiment, but people in the comic community, I want them to see me be good, so they'll put me on shows. So here's my formula and you guys tell me what you think about this i think what they should be doing is 
find the good open mics, the ones that are the cl- that you have access to that are the closest to actual mm-hmm. shows. Velve's open mic, uh, uh, what do you call? Um, kick butt, kick butt, Cold Town. Uh, what uh, what else? Uh, obviously, Cap City, all that kind of stuff. It's like those are your shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do your absolute best four minutes, yeah. knock right. them out of the park, and every other mo- open mic. Don't uh, unless you're working on one of those bits. Do, there's no reason to go to a. Sh- there's no reason to go to Tramps that I host right. and do a joke that you already yeah. basically know. Yeah, you kind have to categorize works. the open mics right. and say there's the ones I'm doing brand new material. These are the ones I'm doing second tier. These are the ones that I'm actually trying to impress someone about. But be very conscious about that. Conscientious about it and, and, and know what you're doing mm-hmm. yeah it's perfectly fine at cap at Velve, at, at certain you know maybe even at cold town to be doing your best material um i would say you know but even there like so cold town maybe you do try to do if it's a big crowd maybe try to do one or two of your best jokes if you're trying to you know get if you're trying to get booked on more shows and then still do some newer stuff and make it mm-hmm. make it exciting for everyone but yeah think about what you're getting out of each one and there's nothing you're going to get out of tramps doing material that you already know whether it works yeah and And i I think you pointed out something good which was you said like those are your shows like you should think of that Mm -hmm. as shows i think it's very one thing that just you naturally start to do is like you really start to categorize things and and it's good for a couple reasons it gives you a good sense of like where you're at it's a good way because comedy is so expansive and it's not very formalized there's not a very present like entity that is telling you like you've been promoted congratulations like it's a very informal thing and so it's you need to you need to be i think constantly adjusting your scale if in a in a lot of respects like what kind of shows you're doing how like what you qualify as a good show and a bad show what you qualify as a successful set and a not successful set what you qualify as uh just good and bad in general all that should be constantly readjusting as you grow because it one it, it's gonna it's gonna be organic. It's a good way to stay in tune with where you're at. If you start to feel these things slipping, you know that like, oh, things are like kind of petering off. I need to like revamp this. I haven't felt good about a set in a while. I haven't felt that like, I haven't had one of those like God sets in a really yeah. long. I haven't had one of those. Why has it been so long since mm-hmm. I do that? I want to try and get one of those like that kind of thing where it's important to do that because you get a sense of not only where you're at but what you need to move forward and like you were saying about what you need to get out of each set if you're really aware constant if you're so self-conscious like this is a terror this is terrible advice <laughs> if, you're, if you're so self-conscious all the time just constantly evaluating and judging yourself uh, you know that's a maybe not the best thing to do as a person but as a comedian it's good because it, it it's a diagnostic and comedy yeah. is all about diagnostic like it, during a set you're diagnosing you're you're addressing things you're diagnosing things you're like this will do this plus the like all of it's happening pretty subtextually like you don't want to be too in your head about it but that is what it is is it's it's problem solving it's to me the fly it's like in the military you'd go you do a mission mm-hmm. and then as soon as you get done with the mission you don't just like oh we're done with the mission let's celebrate 
you you do a diagnostic. Right. You count ammo. You right. do uh, sometimes an, if it's mm-hmm. training a, an AAR, which is an after action review. I think that's really important too. When yeah. you get off, like okay, that didn't go well. Yeah, okay, I, I I, if that, anybody sure. is uh, getting off of off stage and not like thinking about it, especially especially in the beginning. I mean, there are some sets where you can go. I immediately know what happened wrong, and I don't have to beat myself up over it all night. I'm just gonna. But if you're not sometimes losing sleep and because your thoughts are racing, if you're not sometimes bothering your loved ones. Mm-hmm. With your your uh, analysis of it, or just yourself a lot. I mean, I, that's crazy to me to think that there are people out there who. And you wonder sometimes with people who get off stage and they seem perfectly happy when right. you're like, "Well, you just had a bad." You know, you sh- you you have to beat yourself up. I mean, that's a big well, part. Yeah, of like, this. are you coasting now? Is that yeah. <laughs> we're already coasting? That's yeah, like we're. Well, yeah, we're I mean, all, it's like yeah. yeah, no, none of us. There's no one in in Austin who can be who could be coasting. You know, yeah. it's like we. You know, yeah, you got to beat yourself up a lot. I mean, tr- you get to the point. I think where you also learn look hate when, yourself just hate well, your that's no, what this I mean, is but you i think you do get to the point where you learn when not to beat yourself up or you know like i said you can there are some sets where you know immediately what happened and you don't need to sit there and dwell on it you just go mm-hmm. okay i'm not going to do that again for sure i'm um, not going to say faggot at that, at that show or whatever <laughs> well don't be too hard on yourself for that like i honestly you know it's your best well, joke. What do you? No, you know. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. I, I, by I, the way. I think I, I think there's an, there's a couple of jokes where the, where I say faggot, and depending on how young the audience yeah. is, it can. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Andrew has a couple of good ones. I don't I know if you've heard of them. Good zingers. <laughs> um, it's my favorite word. It's fine. Um, okay, and just to redirect one more time, um, are, is your goal still to be a writer primarily? I, I think it's. <clears throat> It's like I want to. I definitely think that's where I want to go. But I think I want to go more through stand up to that, in the sense of like, I want to be maybe recognized as. I want to be more known as a stand up, but I think I want my career to be a writer because then I think that's how you 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 talked about the space of being like a comics comic. I think that's how you really dwell in that space is like you're not going to be making enough money off of stand-up at that level to really be able to do that comfortably or or, or something. So I want you you need, at that level, you still need a day job of some kind. You need a side hustle. Yeah, I'd like for it to be a day job kind of in comedy and writing. So I'd like to do like TV writing as kind of the the bank. I don't know if this is possible, but I kind of want it to be this. Not necessarily this podcast, could do but the idea yeah. of of making a like finding a way to an audience is big enough. Do something no, interesting enough, and then getting that's what I've started thinking about lately. Is that a lot of people are making money off of podcasts? Um, I think we probably. I mean, we'll. Yeah, I mean, you're I, basically I lesbian Nick Mullen. I don't. Yeah, you I mean, could. Do, uh, I don't really know who Nick Mullen. Oh is. well, you. I'll educate. Straight guy, you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna find out whether I'm offended or not. No, 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 he's no, a no, really no. funny comment. Okay. You know who Nick Mullen is, right? He, I've, I've listened to the podcast. Yeah. And I've seen some sets, but I don't really know him. Yeah. yeah. But no, but I mean, people are monetizing. It's a compliment. People are monetizing a podcast and, and things like that. With right. Various internet things where you have a lot of freedom, and then people can basically become your patrons. It's this, you know, e-patron Patreon situation and all. All the sure. different things like that that because um, a lot of times people do want to support the arts or various you know endeavors but they don't really have a way to do that there's a lot of real comedy sure. fans who go to all our free shows or even pay for them uh, but who have good jobs who wouldn't mind throwing us some money but there's if there's no you know way to do that if there's no platform for that then yeah. they can't and I think I think more comics could be making more money we I think uh, that's a big thing that's going to be happening is that we've all just decided oh you can't make money doing stand-up it's like 
yeah but you can figure out how yeah. to monetize it you the uh, the thing about stand-up is it's um pretty it's very decommodified it's 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 a little bit like theater in the sense that it is it's ephemeral an experience yeah. but theater is if anything even easier to monetize to, to commodify than um stand up because it is uh i think consistent it is a cons- like you're buying a caps an encapsulated experience whereas stand up is not as the same every time like yeah, the yeah. play runs the play that they have they run the play yeah whereas a stand-up is more about a guy comes and talks to you and it could be very unsuccessful it could be very successful it could be very one thing it could be very not one thing so it's like how do you sell that how do you sell something that's going to be that's even more ephemeral than just in a temporal sense but in like an actual like textual sense it's not going to be the same thing every time so i can't tell you if you like this you'll like this yeah we know broadly that this comedian's perspective is this so if you're a fan of this guy you might be a fan of this guy or if you've seen that this guy's other sets before you might be a fan of this guy let's back up a bit because i think at some it's sort of like how do you how do you take something that people would naturally want be interested in and filter it through that commodified Mm -hmm. process because in some sense i think Hey, like this is going to be somebody who's going to talk to you that's going to make you laugh. Will you go to that? I think people go to that, but it's like, okay, how then do you put it through a marketing machine? You have to do. You have to do like that. That's what. That's what's good about a podcast. That's what's good about merch or whatever, Mm -hmm. or making an album is like. It just needs to be made into more of a slightly more of an object it needs to be made into like an album will be the same thing every time yeah i recorded it this is locked if you like this you'll like this i know because i know what's on this and every time you play this this is what you'll hear so here's the object whereas a podcast it's a little more ephemeral than that because it's a little bit different but we know broadly like this is the podcast where we talk about like comedy theory and tips and tricks and stuff like that this is a podcast like everything like that has a slightly more of a hook in it that makes it more of an object yeah and shows are the same way too a lot of people are starting to do like Shows like they'll do a type of stand-up show or like a game a game show like at midnight is a it's basically a stand-up comedy game show that is just a little bit more of an object because there's like rules to it there's a form to it there's like there's going to be some consistent experience here though there are going to be differences in it it's more mapped out it avoids buyer's remorse yeah exactly (laughs) stand-up just it's not even just a metric of it might be good, it might be bad. It's like, I can't tell you at all what it's going to be. I can't tell you if, you know, people will say it like comedy shows, they'll be like, nobody's going to mess with you. Nobody like, yeah, like I always think that's funny. I'm like, if <laughs> I'm worry, about to walk to on stage, yeah. I'm always like, ooh. Yeah, don't say that. Don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't tell them that because you gonna have no idea. <laughs> yeah, you have yeah. no idea what I'm going to do with them. And that's the thing is like well, that's you, you can't too, tell you can't way. tell yeah exactly <laughs> actually both of you you yeah. can't tell and people anything okay. you can't tell people anything about yeah, it so how do you how do you sell that how do you how do you well, sell that it's we're also be these other things it, I, I think what gets forgotten is like we're not actually supposed to be rich yeah for sure we let's hope to God and even like but I think classically art has been an impoverished. Thing. For sure, and I'm not saying yeah. people should be satisfied with that, but it's just that in some ways we're trying to fit this into a system that it's not 
commensurate with. Mm-hmm. It's like if you can make this commodifiable, if you can make this, uh, if you can unitize it and sell it, you've done something. But it's not that that came from stand up. As a matter of fact, what you mentioned about like, oh, this is a single unit. You've made that. I when when fucking net like Napster became a thing, and there was this all all this like. Uh, problem about intellectual licensing and ownership. I completely respect that opinion, but at some level, I'm like, it used to be you go to a town as like a bard, mm-hmm. you perform for people, they pay you, right. and that's it. And it wasn't until technolo- technology allowed people to make it an object and then right. sell it that it became. So it's like, and now it's getting. There was a point. only a short time window, right, where that was and it's thing, and now it's going away, and right. we're back to hey. Maybe you don't yeah. get to be a millionaire doing this, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying I don't want. To, I don't want I don't, success, I don't, but I I don't um, I don't want to be like because the symptoms of being a millionaire mm-hmm. yeah. are very very unappealing and sort of make me feel like, like at my internship this past semester I worked at a production company that was great they were great but just seeing how the process goes and the way that like film and TV gets made. Just put a certain sour taste in my mouth because it's 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 like I was saying with stand up. It's so top down. It's like the the people in power, the the people running the companies, will slot like this is the kind of movie we're looking for. This is they'll even develop ideas. They'll like develop stories that are designed to be like marketable, effective, and then they'll give it to a writer. Most movies, the way that they get made now, is producers develop a story give it to a writer say write me this story and then they write a story to these like metrics to these objectives and sometimes a good movie comes out of that like sometimes that is the case but it is not stories being told for stories it is not being made for the sake of being made it's stuff that's being made to make money and so the ideas that they're going to buy sometimes the idea that makes them money is a good idea it's sometimes it's a good story it reminds me of that Yusef Roche bit you know the one where he's like, uh, commercial. Yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, you're a you're a slave who sells drugs, right? Who's right. Uh, to support uh, your three children, children you've abandoned? Yeah. It's a subway commercial, but it reminds like they right. have all these things that they're trying to get made ideas about. Oh, right. this is a marketable thing. Yeah, can you make this for us? Can you? Right. Yeah. Right. yeah, they they and so it's very. It, like you said about it doesn't stand up doesn't really fit into that mold. It really doesn't, and it's the reason why people should go see live comedy. Is that it's not this? It's not like a special. It's not like an album. It's not like you know these blockbuster movies that you see some stand ups in. Like even watching Kevin Hart live, who is somebody who is like definitely a guy who's in the like industry. He's yeah. an industry dude. I wouldn't call him just a comics comic. He's very broadly successful. Yeah. But even seeing him live versus what you see him in when it's not live, what you see the sort of like produced manufactured thing, even specials are regulated to the extent that they're like you can't say this, you can't mention like you you have to change that joke because you mention like a company's name or yeah. something in it. Stuff like that 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 does affect it. And then also he's not going to be as off the or in the moment because right. he's not about it's not about that show it's about the special yeah it's not about the relationship between him and the audience it's about the relationship between him and everybody watching it throughout time yeah so things are different because it's made to reach them whereas if you see him live 
even him, it'll be different because he's playing to to you. He's playing. He's in and that it, space. It's connecting. I'd like to see him live. That and, would be and, interesting. And, and we, I, bet he, I bet he kills it. We do so much to talk. Like uh, we, we talk about technique and, and artifice, and you know, it it isn't exactly like our jokes. Obviously, aren't off the top of our heads or whatever. But it is interesting. Like at, at, the way it is different than a lot. Of, it's like you are really connecting with an audience when you're doing well mm-hmm. you're really talking to them I mean again it's not always extemporaneous but like you really are saying things that are influencing how they feel yeah. and they're laughing if you do well and that makes you that validates you so I agree it's not it's not a what do you call it uh, comparable sort of thing yeah they don't they don't match and, and that's coming full circle back to what I said at the beginning of the thing is like there are some people who have that They've mastered that like context of stand-up. They've mastered the relationship between audience and stand-up. And their stand-up strength really comes in the connection between audience and stand-up. That's what their stand-up is really about, is about that. So when you try and take that person and put them into something that is... Just that that context just isn't there. You make a special, or you want them to write like a fictionalized TV show, and you think, well, they're funny. They make me laugh. Yeah, they're good stand-ups. They should be good actors. They should be good writers. They should be good. Their stand-up should be good as a special. Their stand-up should be good as a CD. Whatever it is, like it's just ignorant of the thing that makes the medium unique, which is that it is live. That it is the context. It's the context of it's such a weird thing. It's such a weird. Th- it's so. It's so bizarre. It's people. People go in a room and a person talks, and yeah. we like watch it, and it we're entertained surreal. by a person talking. And it's ancient. It's crazy. It's. Yeah. It's. It doesn't make. It doesn't. Th- how much people love stand up, and people love stand up. Like yeah. every. Like people love comedy. People love comedy. But it's such. It, it's. It's like. It's it's so academic. It's so like lectoral. It's it's so it's 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 crazy that people as commercialized and like detached as our world has become today Mm -hmm. from like what we could say is like this is good, valuable. This is good stuff. Like the music that's the most popular is not the best music. Sure. You know, the movies that are the blockbusters are not the best movies, whatever. But like the best comedians in the world really kind of are the best in the world because it's about doing it's about getting a reaction from people. It's yeah. about doing the thing well. It's about how you connect with these people and give them a good time. So if people, it's undeniable. It, it, it's such a simultaneously subjective and a, a objective thing. Yeah, comedy is the most subjective thing in the world. What people find is as funny is so different amongst people. But when something is funny, everybody knows it's funny. Yeah, because we're laughing. Like yeah. there's a very guttural, physical, difficult to fabricate reaction to something that very concretely says good, bad, and everybody knows it. Everybody knows whether a joke missed or lands as soon as you say it. And as a comedian, it sucks because that then affects the thing moving forward. But it's very interesting conceptually to be able to be like, for a group of people who probably wouldn't agree on anything, we all know when something's good, we all know when something's bad, and it's allegedly the most sub- one of the most subjective things in the world. Right. Oh yeah, I mean it's it, yeah, it's interesting, but uh so this should parlay well into like this other question I have, which is so I swear to god this is weird. It's like serendipitous because you more or less said it at one point. 
Um, and little listener can go back and hear when that <laughs> happened. Um, but so one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I had a kind of realization like two days ago or something like that in conversation, was working on this bit about uh, how we should kill billionaires mm-hmm. uh, because it just it's only 580 people. And the in the same reason we put people in prison, uh, and that's how, like let's say something like three million people, so one percent of the adult population. And the idea was like, but we do that because I'm just explaining the the thing. No, no, It'll no, give no. you a sense of it, right? Uh, because you know the idea is we ruin these people's lives because it makes a Ours, better yeah, life right. for the rest of us, right? And that's there's a workable logic, but that's three million. Let's say one point five million of them deserve it or something like mm-hmm. that. Right. You know. Well, Almost how do you all compare? Deserve it, yeah, well, how, and moreover, how could you compare 580 people to that? Like, that's yeah. just that more people in, die in, the fucking in, rickets, right. you know? Uh, but but so here, but here's the point. When when working on that bit, I'm like, no matter what, they're not gonna laugh at the point. They're mm-hmm. gonna laugh at the things I do, uh, the jokes along the way in that right. bit. And I'm curious how because you. Um, your your act is, I think works this way a lot where you are saying something you you often I hate to affect a, a fret, but you your stuff is woke often you know oh, what I mean but yeah I don't yeah, yeah I think <laughs> thank God, thank God. <laughs> I mean but uh, you know I'm no authority on it but but the thing, the point is that you have this point of view and a lot of it as if not social justice just like these sort of philosophical perspectives at the same time they're not laughing at that they're right. laughing at your ability to to uh so the question is almost know, is like, I, why do we do it that way? Why why are we, tr- you know? Because like the baseline, like comedy, what, one of the things that makes me like comedy so much is that it's uh, like comedy, it's full of dichotomies, everything. Like the, the way my advice to anybody who is like really wanting to go down like a philosophical, theoretical, like comedy wormhole to like advance that, that, that has a very practical ad- application to your comedy is like comedy it's no, it's all dichotomies mm-hmm. it's all about there's this and there's this from a very very basic level it's saying um, women are like this men are like this Contrast. like that's a very that's a very like old school joke premise is people would be like men are like this burger 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 and then ladies are like this <laughs> and it's like that is we we point out the differences and that's my what, favorite joke you we do. Point, by thank way, you, thank you. <laughs> we point out we point out contrast. We point out differences. We point out the way things are and, and a different. Joke, a joke is structured that way. Yeah, a joke is a, a joke is a joke is it's about contrast. It's about a dichotomy. It's about exploring a relationship between two possibly more things. If, if you can look at it from a different per- angle, but it's still sort of the same truth. Is like sometimes a really good joke is something that says something and this is one of the things that I like to do and is what you're talking about is like a joke that enlightens a certain high-minded idea but from a very low-minded place yeah does some accomplishes something we would say is very morally ethically high or even just conceptually high like really really like alti conceptual comics they accomplish this very high thing from like a very dumb stupid silly like fart or something like that like the fart leads you to here so that like that swing is what comedy is that swing of like that's misdirection that's contract that's all everything every like tool you think of in comedy 
I think can be summed up as it's about a dichotomy, it's about a contrast, it's about I misdirect you to think I'm talking about this thing so that when I talk about this thing, you swing all the way back around yeah. and that swing is like the force of that swing makes you laugh, makes you smile or it doesn't have to be misdirection in the sense of like I say this, then I say this, sometimes I just say one thing but there's two things in that thing that as you think about them you 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 do the swing again. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, that's what a dialectic is in some sense. Right. It's sort of like thinking about the relationship of, about, of that those two things have mm-hmm. that they have contrast, but they you, they somehow you exist connect together. them a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Like and in that way getting to notions of like what you should do as a comedian and what comedy is all about and 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 sometimes a big thing people are like truth telling is what it's about. Yeah. And that's definitely true. And and another perspective on it is like it's the lie that tells the truth. Yeah, that's good. Which is yeah. definitely I Heraclitus think, guys. Also Read true. Heraclitus. Yeah. <laughs> definitely also true. It's definitely about that. But I think just to modify that, it's it's the lie that tells the truth in like the polar opposite. It's it's not just a lie. It is like the polar opposite of the truth. It is you tell the truth through the opposite of the truth. You it, tell through a through something that is. N- you reveal something about A by exploring B, you yeah. know, and yeah. you come all the way back around to it in a way that is like fully, so it becomes this like fully realized symmetry in the And to get really like expansive and transcendental about it, that is appealing because we want to like make sense of our world. We yeah, want to bring absolutely. our world together totally. and like construct it well, and I be able to see why. it on a binary. And so when somebody says that is exactly the same as that, and we know that it is really not, but it is. Yeah. We're like, boom. Everything th- lines up. Everything is. There's a system. There's an order. There's an authority. There's some yeah. sort of. So glad you thing said to that. authority. And I, I was going to say another way. I think that th- there's a kind of philosophical bend to this is that if you go back to like Socrates, some of the idea there, right, is how do you say a thing? How do you teach somebody something? How mm-hmm. do you get them to know about a thing without doing it from a position of authority? Right. If I say I know a bunch of stuff and you should listen to me, right. Ultimately, what it requires is that person has to sort of suspend their critical judgment and say I'm going to let you tell me right. but because you mentioned this from a very low place and talking about high minded stuff there's something awesome about saying look if I just try to coerce you by you know mm. even logically you know I know all this kind of stuff but if I make a, a silly point and I'm self-deprecating. Right. Uh, it can seduce you into seeing the world my way. Right. I yeah. think that's something. It's really pretty cool. magical. Guys, we are just about out of time. We're going to have to really truncate um, the ending questions okay. and stop talking about okay. Socrates. We don't have time for Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always time for Socrates. There's no more time. Um, <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do any of your, like, well... We'll do, we'll do a quick version of it. I think it's yeah. sort of easy. Um, one, and then since you are moving, I, I so I usually ask, like, what would you do to change Austin comedy. Let's forego that because we're thinking right. a little bit bigger oh, yeah. than that right now. Uh, but I'll ask this. Uh, if you could go back and tell yourself anything. Like in your first Starting comedy. comedy. What would it be? And I say this because usually, you know, people are reticent to give direct advice to others. Well, right. you have such different journey, different experiences. But you can tell yourself, mm-hmm. you know, at least hypothetically. And I'm curious what that might be. Um, I think I would tell my, from a, from a, practical point of view I think what I would tell myself is like you should 
uh, you should get into the community of it sooner. You should get into not only because like that's how you get booked on stuff and how you learn stuff, but it's also just like if you really want to become a good comedian, like it's got to become your lifestyle. And that's how it becomes your lifestyle is by hanging out with comics, going to go and watch shows, participating in things, being a part of a scene, whatever. Like really being with the community is is how you improve as a comedian because then it's not just about five minutes every, even, even at best every night that you're engaged with comedy which isn't enough that's not like if if a basketball player if like a high schooler was like i want to be a professional basketball player and they practice five minutes every day you'd be like you're never going to be a professional (laughs) basketball player that's not enough but if they are like every hour of the day engaged in it then they they will become better if they're practicing every day even if it's not as intense as other form even if it's a slightly lighter version of practice if it's all the time it just works a lot better. You'll become a lot better and, and you'll have a lot of legs. And that is sort of what I would say to myself on the more conceptual side is like, stay engaged, stay engaged with it. Always be thinking about it. When you're at work, be thinking about your bits. Don't be afraid to like, I think it's very stigmatized to like think about comedy conceptually. It's very stigmatized to like, think about the theory and stuff because everybody's like it's just jokes man it's just jokes but it's like and that's true but in order to really realize that exactly how in order to realize how true that is like you have to kind of i think go down the rabbit hole in the same way that it's like comedy's about contrast like you got to go to the low to like get the high like you've got to get you need to like realize the high you need to realize the like transcend the transcendental like existential yeah thing that this is in order to then pack it into your fart if also you pack that it's like don't tell me what to be interested in that's exactly. that's an yeah. epiphany i was like True. you don't want to do theory of comedy don't yeah. i've never i don't know how my theory or my interest in how comedy works at a more philosophical mm-hmm. level that in no way inhibits you from doing your cum drinking joke sure. ariel Sorry. Sure, that's your joke um <laughs> all right well great wait uh so now our new closing segment we're changing it for this ep- well starting with this episode is we're going to do endorsements okay I thought, why don't we just start so sorry i didn't prepare you for this but um so it's just anything related to comedy that you want to endorse um uh, eventually, we might be doing things that are more timely, but at this point, you have the whole uh, history you, of you, comedy. Why don't you go first? first. Yeah, I'll yeah, go yeah, first, yeah. but you have the whole history of comedy at your fingertips. So I am going to uh, endorse an album I was just listening to today, um, the Brian Callen uh, album. It's on Spotify. It's called Never Grow Up. Oh, and that's interesting. I saw him at Moon Tower, and I really liked him, so I, I was delving into him. It's my endorsement this week. Uh, okay, I'm going to do this uh, because I, uh, just because mm. this is the first one we're doing. Uh let me put my thoughts in you, Dana Gould. It's probably my fa- outside of stuff George Carlin did. I think it's my favorite album ever. Now uh, he's my f- favorite comic. I saw him at Moon Tower too. It was fucking fantastic. And just a brief summary: well, why it's important. Uh, you, I feel like what I look up to this guy for is when you watch an album, it's like every kind of comedy is represented. He has these sort of like more conceptual pieces. He has these sort of long walks. He has analytical stuff. He has uh, more introspective family stuff. I mean, it's just everything is there. So get a Dana Gould uh, generally and specifically. Let me let me put and my Dana Gould. In Jared will blow you. Oh God! <laughs> oh yes. I'm sure, you want that on record? <laughs> he, you know, he's married, but whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, I would endorse 
just because it was I, I think it demonstrates something that we talked about today is I would watch the I would watch Brent Morin special I'm Brent Morin um, it's something that I think I watched and was really impressed that he was somebody who really did the thing that we talked about earlier which is like get in like make the bring the audience to the place he ultimately wanted to go because the special it's a very you know he's like your classic just marketable white dude like starts off really telling jokes that are like of what you'd expect this guy who's not as not as much a comics comic he's definitely more on the mainstream um but he really takes it it's it's funny how he takes premises that i think are kind of maybe we could even call hacky but really does them in a way that i was like there are a lot of alti comics that i look at and like because they do this thing in a not quite as mainstream way but i am very impressed at how successfully mainstream he made something very like experimental so I'm Brimmerin. It's a good special to see somebody who's really playing to the crowd in a way that kind of still moves past um, anything that we wouldn't call like experimental or, or alternative. Awesome. I can't wait to check it out. All right. Thanks, guys. This is great. Thanks, right man. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you want more from Andrew Dismukes, the only thing he does on the internet is Twitter, other than Facebook. So his Twitter is Andrew underscore Vinny, V-I-N-N-Y. Follow him there for witticisms and promotions. Uh, I decided that we're going to start trying to do other stuff besides Twitter. I don't know why it's always just follow me on Twitter. So on Instagram, if you want to follow me, it's at selfawareal. That's self, A-W-A-R-I-E-L-L-E, if you losers don't know how to spell my name. At self and Jared on Instagram is banana fanafofarid, spelled just like it would be spelled. Um, the other the boys didn't have any shows that they could remember to promote, but I, uh, if you want to see me this week, I'll be at the Gatsby on Tuesday. That show is at nine thirty and it's free. And I will be at the Buzz Mill show on Wednesday, the 21st at 9 o'clock, also free. So join us for that. And, of course, join us next week for another great episode of Leading the Blind. Next week, we're going to have Vanessa Marie Gonzalez on. It was a really awesome episode, and you're going to love it. See you next time. International.